This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly by Retail Insider. I'm Lee Rivett, and I'm joined with the Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, Craig Patterson, to discuss this week's most read articles on retail-insider.com. So thanks for joining me, Craig. Hello, everyone. Now, we're currently recording on June the 9th, 2020. And as we were thumbing through all the popular content for the week, we kind of noticed a common thread that people liked reading about bankruptcies, which is a sad reality of COVID-19, of course, but we don't want to be just a bankruptcy podcast. So the top two articles have to do with bankruptcies, yes. But the third one that we're also going to talk about is not bankruptcy related and has to do with Canada Goose um, pulling back from the multi-brand retailers to focus on their direct-to-consumer like standalone stores. So we'll get to that one. But Craig, the first article that we'll go through is uh, Bestseller Canada and Comark file for bankruptcy protection. Now, this article itself was very well read, but it has two separate retailers in it. So let's start with Bestseller Canada, which I've never heard about. And uh, mainly because being in Vancouver, none of their stores made it this far west. So like I think it was 2015 that they opened up their first um, bestseller store in Canada. And then they continued on to, uh, I think, a complement of five, which then in February of this year, they decided to shutter them. Um, I think their fifth store, they just converted over to a Jack and Jones. But Craig, tell me and our listeners a little bit about Bestseller Canada, as well as the brands that they brought to Canada. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bestseller is a uh, company that's based out of Denmark. I think it was founded in about 1975. Uh, so it's like 44 years old now. Um, 45 probably. Uh, they've got a few different brands uh, under their corporate umbrella. So uh, what they did uh, besides opening their brands in Canada stores is they had these five bestseller stores. They were multi-brand retailers. Really interesting looking. Um, those had all been shut down or converted to Jack and Jones, which is one of their... Uh, uh, brands. It's it's a uh, young menswear brand. Uh, they've also got a brand called Vero Moda, which mm-hmm. uh, had about ten stores in Canada. So uh, we've got uh, you know this Dutch company, which uh, is unfortunately the Canadian division has uh, filed for bankruptcy protection because it has lots of debt. Now, I know that we reported in February that they were closing, but did they close them all in one swoop, or did they kind of sprinkle them out over time? I think some of it was early this year, so it might have been just after the December holiday shopping season. Um, a few of them may have shut before then in Quebec, I'm not sure, but uh, I know that we reported on it, uh, I think it was either January or February, that all locations were no longer called bestseller. Well, I know that, I think in our article, we mentioned that they had a $39 million debt that was outstanding for creditors. So, like, is there anything further on that whole, you know, situation from bankruptcy that we can share that um, bestseller is going through? Or is it that's all we know? Yeah, I mean, I would suspect that uh, one of the challenges the company was just, you know, as it was expanding its brick and mortar presence, having... Uh, you know, retail spaces in, in some of Canada's top malls, that doesn't come cheap. Uh, they're paying rent on those spaces. And, uh, you know, as that rent comes due, you know, obviously they have to pay it and it can get quite expensive. Yeah. So some of these brands signed leases back when, uh, uh, you know, rental rates were maybe higher than they should have been, or it was a bit of a different time. I, I know there was a bit of a decrease in foot traffic in some shopping centers and whatnot. So uh, I, I think that these costs eventually did catch up with uh, retailers, not just this one, obviously, and but uh, 
you know, bestseller ended up with about $39 million in debt. Uh, um, some of that is going to be going to the cost of uh, building out their stores, marketing, et cetera. But rent is certainly going to be an important and significant component to that number. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's great that they're not <clears throat> shuttering everything and, you know, throwing in the towel and that they're going the bankruptcy protection route so they can try to right the ship and try to save themselves. But do we have any idea of what that writing the ship or strategy is? Is it more like shutting locations, distilling down to one brand, or is there some other strategy that we may have some insight on? Yes. What uh, we've been told so far, I'm not sure if this has been finalized, but it's looking like uh, between 13 and 15 of the 51 Jack and Jones store locations in Canada, that's the menswear brand again, um, are uh, so about, you know, 13 of those are going to be handed back to the landlords. Mm. So I think there's a bit of some negotiation right now happening uh around that and what does turning back to the landlord mean because as a residential yeah. person if i don't you know if i want to get out of my lease i probably just have to lose my damage deposit or something but is it a penalty or? it could be uh yeah. it's essentially uh here's the retail space that we occupied you can now deal with it uh, <laughs> That's an over oversimplification. Obviously, there there are different you know contractual obligations and and you know details around that. But that's essentially what it means. So um, you know the the landlords will be taking these store locations and uh, you know having to deal with the space. And uh, again, I think that then these negotiations, I believe, are still ongoing. So um, you know we wouldn't have all the details, or even if this this number is going to be totally accurate. But I, I was told by um, someone who works for another landlord, a major landlord in Canada, um, I won't name them because I don't think they're authorized to speak and probably shouldn't have. <laughs> but uh, they, they were saying that all of the Vero Moda stores will close. And Vero Moda is a, uh, I think it's a young women's brand. Yeah. Well, and the second <clears throat> retailer in the article, that two-part whammy, was Comark. And like for myself growing up in Canada, I've always known about Bootlegger, right? So that's one of their brands as well as I've seen Clio before and Ricky's has been around all the time as well. So, um, so, but could you tell like anybody who hasn't heard about them that's listening, what Comark is about and what those three um, sub brands are? Yeah, yeah. As you mentioned, Comark's a parent company uh, for these brands. Comark's based out in Mississauga, just outside of Toronto. Um, Bootlegger was founded in Vancouver. So this is a Western Canadian brand that I was more familiar with and, and very much... Yeah, exactly. Denim, denim focused uh, was the brand. You know, Clio and Ricky's is someplace maybe my sisters or mom would shop type of store. They're women's uh, fashion retailers. And these retailers are known for not being that expensive. They're, they're not going to be the cheapest retailers out there, certainly either. Uh, you know, they're not going to be at a Winner's Marshall's type of uh, inexpensive price point or, you know, a Forever 21, which isn't in Canada anymore. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, they're sort of these mid-priced retailers that are really being squeezed right now, unfortunately. Um, it's, you know, the, the consumer seems to be shifting either to uh, you know Zara or fast fashion and or you know going to winners or in some cases going to buy that Celine bag at Holt Renfrew or Saks Fifth Avenue so so the middle is, is definitely being squeezed I would say in retail mm. and I know that Comark had filed for bankruptcy protection back in 2015 as well which I think resulted in the involvement of Stern Partners Inc who's currently listed on their website is as being the, like the driving force behind it so so what got them from 2015 into this trouble in 2020? Because I was reading that like Ricky's was keeping them afloat for like the other brands that weren't as profitable. And it was kind of a interesting sordid tale leading up to 2020. Yeah, yeah. And it's not that uncommon, uh, right. nor is it 
overly surprising. Uh, certainly companies that have struggled in the past have come back and then struggled again. And unfortunately, this is one of those situations. Um, if, if I think about you know, the local Clio Ricky stores in the malls that say I'd be going through here and there in whatever city I'm in, mm. uh, even though they've had, you know, in some cases, a cosmetic refresh, and actually there was quite an investment from what I could tell, even the local Sherwood Park Mall when I was in Edmonton had these new uh, units. The The concept really hasn't changed a whole lot over the years. I mean, in the case of Clio and Ricky's, it's women's wear, you know, in a brick and mortar space. In the case of Bootlegger, there's a whole lot of denim displayed everywhere. Uh, you know, the consumer, I think, is changing a lot faster than many retailers are changing. And that may have been an issue here. So, uh, you know, and leases, again, I think I think are huge. Uh, Comark, under those three banners, have over 300 stores in Canada, which is a lot. Uh, I, again, you know, and these are in some pretty good malls that would have fairly high rents. And uh, this is one of, you know, a few reasons that the company has... Uh, unfortunately, you know, filed for bankruptcy. And uh, I'm sure some of these store locations will close, but also the bankruptcy filing is going to allow them to do things, uh, uh, you know, in terms of getting out of leases and other obligations that they may not be able to do otherwise. What I thought was stunning with reading this article <clears throat> was that it was like $3.2 in June rent was part of the bankruptcy debt. And for myself, thinking that, you know, Vancouver rent for the average like condo downtown being like two to four thousand dollars per month was bad, much less, you know, three point two million in June rents. So <laughs> I was a little flabbergasted with that. So I can see how things can turn rather drastic, especially if a lot of these retailers are forced to be shut for like several months due to COVID-19, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, if those retailers are, were forced to be shut down, I'm just looking at the numbers here because the numbers we had um, were for April, May, and June, uh, rents weren't paid. That was $9 million outstanding. So mm. in theory, you know, for part of March, those stores would have been closed. All of April, they would have been closed. May, some provinces allowed some stores to open, but, you know, it was just kind of here or there. And then June, you know, I'm in Ontario, our mall stores that don't have exterior entrances still haven't opened as the time that we're recording this and when the podcast goes out as well, because it's not coming anytime soon other than in some parts of Ontario on Friday. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, that really is, is hitting the retailer. I mean, $9 million for three months of rent is is a lot of money. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you could ever work that back, you know, right? it makes sense that they file for bankruptcy yeah. exactly given what you just said it's it's going to be tough i mean that's 35 million dollars a year in rent right there yeah. uh, just just for the companies so um holy moly that that's uh that's a lot of money uh to be paying to landlords so but you know landlords have their own obligations right so yeah. i don't want to buy bashing landlords anymore than we already no, have no, yeah. which maybe it wasn't fair no fair and um I think the last stop on our bankruptcy train before we actually move on to a new article that's not bankruptcy related is um, the Sale Outdoors Inc. Uh, also um, filed for bankruptcy protection. Now, as far as like, I've never heard of them before because they're based out of Quebec. And I think they had 14 stores on their sale brand, which was more to do with outdoor equipment, like camping, fishing, hunting, kind of like Cabela's or something like that. Whereas their other locations that they had recently opened in the last year or so called Sportium, uh, another you know banner that they opened. There's four standalone stores in the province of Quebec that was more performance apparel 
um, like sport equipment and stuff like that, like a mega store that looked beautiful in some of the uh, photos that Maxime Forchette had gotten for us too. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Because it looked like it's an interesting concept store, like family business that is kind of trying to write themselves right now. Um, Sportium started opening its stores and ended up opening four of them. Um, they were all over, I think, 70,000 square feet. So these were, you know, little mini department stores and they had all kinds of sport related stuff. And and, and so do the competitors that are coming in. Uh, we've talked about Decathlon before, the world's largest sporting goods retailer, which is expanding across Canada. Uh, I don't know if they've done a BC lease yet, but they were certainly in talks when I was speaking to someone uh, involved in that and uh, um, Alberta that was certainly in negotiation. So, you know, that is going to be a major competitor. Mountain Equipment Co-op or Mech, we should say. It just sounds weird when you just say Mech because Mac, someone yeah. might think I'm talking about something else <laughs> or maybe misinterpret and say Mac, the beauty brand, right? The makeup. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that that retailer based out of Vancouver um, and then other retailers like, you know, Sport Check and Sports Experts. We, we've Over the years, we've covered Sport Check, which is kind of around the country. There's a lot of competition right now and there's going to be a lot more as Decathlon expands. What was shocking to me with the sale article though is that in the they mentioned that they had 100 million in debt according to the filing documents, right? So they only have 18 locations when you combine the Sportium and Sale brands mm -hmm. together to deal with 100, you know, million in debt versus you take a look at bestseller they have 60 locations and they're dealing with 39 million so yeah. how are they going to from sales perspective with only 18 now less as they shutter stores deal with yeah. 100 million no it's you know? huge i mean i, I think that uh, their challenges were actually building those stores uh sportium mm -hmm. i know it was a multi-year expansion but when you're building seventy thousand square foot stores that does not come cheap and uh, I think just the expenditures that they put into a new brand, um, expanding that brand, as well as just maintaining sale uh, amongst the competition. Uh, I think all of that became very, very challenging. Um, sale is, I think, the better known brand overall um, in Ontario and Quebec and and certainly has a brand loyalty. Um, uh, my uh, realtor, you know, shops there quite regularly. But um yeah, $100 million. I mean, that's that's a lot of money. I guess their revenue is yeah. about $300 million, But given the cost, I'm sure that it would be almost, you know, it would be insurmountable yeah. to, to, to make up that $100 million yeah. amount uh, in any way. It's just so sad. And I don't think a lot of like consumers realize the gravity of some of these harsh decisions that they have to come to. But... Uh, anyway, well, moving on to our last article, which is not to do with bankruptcy, and it's more to do with Canada Goose, because apparently they're pulling back on multi-brand retailers to focus on their direct-to-consumer standalone stores, So, which is interesting because we've reported on all their stores that they're opening. I think there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, seven. So there's quite a few that they've done over the years, but... The first one was back in 2016, and we kind of started seeing the writing on the wall. So is there any particular reason as we are getting to this point that we wanted to highlight the that this is the move that they're moving towards as far as pulling back from their wholesaler arrangements? Yeah, yeah. I mean, before... Canada Goose had talked about it, but I don't think they were quite as open. Uh, they actually had an earnings call last week. And uh, I'm just checking my notes here. The uh, chief financial officer, Jonathan Sinclair, basically told the analysts that they're going to focus on their direct-to-consumer business. Oh. Well, that makes sense. I we write about it then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw the announcement come. It wasn't just like, and as you know, sometimes when we write things in a retail insider, it's because we've gotten insider information. And in this case, this was, you know, flat out said and was reported and whatnot in other publications. But I, I took a slightly different 
uh, angle to it because it is a trend that I've been watching for some time. And really, this direct-to-consumer movement has been happening for years. Uh, I've been studying some retail history, and I was reading some stuff even from 1990 where... Uh, you know, one retailer in Toronto, a very high-end one, was complaining that their brands were starting to open stores. And I thought, geez, you know, it's not a new phenomenon, but it's really, really been amplified, especially with social media, where now brands can, for example, on Instagram, get in front of their consumer and say, come to our website and shop or come to our store and shop. And and who really needs the multi-brand retailer when, uh, you know, a brand can you know, kind of circumvent the middleman, uh, which would be the retailer. They'd have to pay a certain amount of money, you know, generally in a wholesale agreement to, uh, um, you know, have the product in a store. And why not just open your own store? So that's something that Canada Goose is doing. Danny Reese, who's the founder and CEO, was also on the call, uh, you know, and reiter- reiterated that as well and said that, uh, especially as they come out of COVID-19, uh, there is a plan to focus more on Canada Goose's actual standalone stores, as well as their website. They're, they've got, they sell lots through uh, their e-commerce site, but it doesn't mean the wholesale is done altogether. It just means that they're going to, you know, be pulling out of some more retailers and they've already done it, uh, including last year. Well, was this kind of the plan, do you think, for Canada Goose to kind of move to this direction? Because I can totally see the profit and just kind of not going through the multi-brand retailer, but especially since they started this back in 2016, like, do, do you do you think the strategy was that all along? That's a good question, because um, originally when Canada Goose had announced that it was opening a store at Yorkdale, they had said, and I'm just going by my own recollection here, that wholesale would continue to be, you know, primarily important and that they would just be opening these few stores as brand experience stores. I kind of thought that maybe they would open more stores. Like it was just a gut feeling and just having watched other brands doing this uh, along the lines of say Nike, um, it made sense to me that Canada Goose would be opening more stores and lo and behold, they did. So how many stores? They will have eight stores in Canada um, when the CF Toronto Eaton Centre store opens, which will be at some point. I mean, it it would have been this uh, spring or summer, but you know, COVID-19 has thrown a monkey wrench into so many things. But, uh, uh, you know, these become destinations. I mean, uh, buying a $1,000 parka for most people is a high involvement purchase. If someone's extremely wealthy, it's not. But um, you're actually thinking about this purchase. and, And if you think about it, you know, you're not going to randomly buy something, you know, that's expensive just anywhere. And, and some people do it. But if you want a Tiffany diamond, you're probably going to go to that Tiffany store and, you know, you're going to have an experience. And in this case with Canada Goose, you're going to the Canada Goose store. And in this, they yep. have beautiful looking stores. I've been to a few of them. Some of them have these cold rooms where you can try on a jacket and see what it would be like in the chilly temperature on a hot day. That's especially attractive. And <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so, you know, if people are making these high involvement purchases, you don't need a store in every corner selling Canada Goose. You only need a place that people know that they can go. And uh, how many winter parkas do we buy per year? Um, in some years, we may not buy any. So uh, especially if they're good quality. But like, I mean, I was looking at our past articles where we talked about how Canada Goose was pulling out of Simon's. They were also pulling out of Sale. Uh, and this is before like the whole bankruptcy situation started happening in 2020. But um, so I don't know if there's, are you aware of any other ones that they were pulling out of as well beyond those two? Um, good question. I, I know a few smaller retailers have lost Canada Goose. And interestingly, I've spoken to, and I don't think I should say the name of the retailer. I spoke to a larger retailer that was very worried about Canada Goose pulling out because 
you know, it that Canada Goose brand represented about, you know, a quarter of all the retail sales in this one chain. And, uh, you know, to lose that would be probably catastrophic to the chain. I mean, they would probably go bankrupt. So, uh, you know, it, ha it has happened and, and I think it still will continue to. But uh, you probably recall the article we did with Harry Rosen where... yes. Yeah, they opened a little Canada Goose shopping store in uh, uh, the Bloor Street flagship. And uh, I think it's the first Canada Goose store that isn't like a standalone Canada Goose to have like the, you know, the nice fixtures, like the marble table and yes, things on the wall. Yeah, it's gorgeous looking. I remember the photos. Yeah, I, I figure that's because this is an opportunity. You know, they're not just going to say bye, Harry Rosen. I, I think if anything, this is a partnership which is going to stick. And uh, maybe there'll be fewer multi-brand retailers to carry Canada Goose. But just given the attention that... Canada Goose has received by Harry Rosen by opening that store, and maybe more will come. I'm not sure. I hadn't checked, to be honest. But um, that, to me, I think does make sense in terms of them keeping that. Uh, there's the, in Montreal, the Holt Renfrew Ogilvy store. Um, the Canada Goose women's boutique hasn't opened yet. I don't think they carry the men's collection there anymore, um, or maybe they brought it back. But um, they'll actually have a Canada Goose boutique in there uh, on the women's luxury floor. So it's alongside the Armani and uh, Acris and, uh, uh, you know, Valentino. I'll have to check all the boutiques. I haven't looked at all the names, but, you know, the luxury stores, it's right alongside those. So uh, uh, that again, you know, I, I don't think that means that Holt Renfrew is going to lose Canada Goose. And, and if anything, probably just the best retailers, I put that in air quotes, uh, will carry Canada Goose in the future. And they'll probably be, you know, the very high-end, very well-known multi-brand retailers that are very, very highly respected. Yeah. Well, it should be interesting to see how it goes. But And that's pretty much a wrap, Craig, for our podcast for the week. So, yeah, a couple of bankruptcies I went through as well as gossiping a little bit about Canada Goose. But, um, yeah, so thanks for listening to our podcast, everyone. We just wanted to remind everyone that we do have a newsletter that goes out every week that you can get a link from the for the Canadian news from around the web that we curated from the previous day, as well as links to our recently published articles that are exclusive to Retail Insider. So if you go to retail-insider.com, you can find the subscribe area at the towards the bottom of our main page so you can get that into your inbox every morning so thanks for listening to this podcast and do subscribe to be notified when new episodes are published but also to help our discoverability ratings if you have a moment to give us a review that would be appreciated too so thanks again everyone and talk to you next week thank you so much everyone take care